Det er så lovligt, at det er Andersens podcast. And it's the 13th of November 2023. And the time is 19.23. And it is Monday. Now, you have to excuse me. It has been a long time since I've been last uploading. So, you have to excuse my poor English. Uh, I have not been practicing so much. But today is um, not me talking, it is me reading out loud because I have decided to go back to becoming one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And in doing so, you have to emerge yourself in organization, meaning that you have to read their literature, understand their literature, and live by their literature. So, Without further ado, I'm going to read some articles from uh, the Watchtower. And this is uh, this is an article called Do You Treat Women As Jehovah Does? We have the privilege of serving alongside many faithful women, and we love and appreciate each one of these loyal, hardworking sisters. So brothers strive to treat them kindly, fairly and respectfully, but because we are imperfect, we may at times struggle to do that. Certain brothers face an additional challenge. <clears throat> Some grew up in cultures in which many men treat women as inferior. For example, Hans, a circuit overseer in Bolivia, says, Some men were raised in a very macho culture, causing them to develop a deep-rooted feeling that men are superior to women. Sing Gangji, an elder in Taiwan, says, Where I live, many men feel that women should not meddle in their business. If a man mentions a woman's opinion about something, his peers may look down on him. Other men show their prejudices against women in less obvious ways. For example, they may tell demeaning jokes about women. Thankfully, no man is bound to the culture in which he grew up. He can overcome the feeling that men are superior to women. This can be done by imitating Jehovah's example. In this article, we will discuss how Jehovah treats women, how brothers can learn to treat women as Jehovah does, and how elders can take the lead in showing respect for sisters. How does Jehovah treat women? Jehovah sets the perfect example on how to treat women. As a compassionate father, he loves his human family. And faithful sisters are like precious daughters to him. Consider the following way in which Jehovah dignifies women. He treats them impartially. Jehovah created men and women in his image. He did not make men more intelligent or more talented than women, nor does he prefer men to women. He created men and women with the same mental capacity to grasp Bible truth and to reflect his beautiful qualities. Jehovah also regards the faith of men and women equally, whether their hope is to live forever on a paradise earth or to serve as kings and priests in heaven. Clearly, Jehovah is not prejudiced against women. He listens to them, Jehovah is interested in the feelings and concerns of women. 
For instance, he listened to and acted on the prayer of Rachel and Hannah. Jehovah also inspired Bible writers to include accounts of men who listened to women. For example, Abraham followed Jehovah's instructions to listen to his wife, Sarah. King David listened to Abigail. In fact, he felt that Jehovah had sent her to speak to him. Jesus, who perfectly reflects his father's qualities, listened to his mother, Mary. These examples highlight that one way in which Jehovah shows respect for women is by listening to them. He trusts them. For example, Jehovah trusted Eve to help care for the entire earth. In doing so, he showed that he viewed her not as an inferior to her husband Adam, but as a complement to him. Jehovah also trusted the prophecies Deborah and Huldah to advise his people, including a judge and a king. Today, Jehovah's entrusts Christian women to carry out his work. These faithful sisters serve as publishers, pioneers and missionaries. They help design, construct and maintain kingdom halls and branch facilities. Some of them serve at battle. Others serve in remote translation offices. These sisters are like a large army that Jehovah mobilized to accomplish his will. Clearly, Jehovah does not view women as weak or incapable. How can brothers learn to treat women as Jehovah does? Brothers, to determine whether we are treating Christian sisters as Jehovah does, we need to make an honest examination of our thinking and actions. To do that, we need help. Just as an x-ray machine can detect mental issues or medical issues in a person's literal heart, a good friend and God's word can help us detect any negative feelings about women that we may be harboring deep inside. What can we do to re- review what that what what can we do to receive that help? As a good fr- ask a good friend. We do well to trust a We do well to turn to a trusted friend who is known to be kind and balanced and ask him such questions as, How do you think I treat sisters? Can they tell that I respect them? Can I improve my interactions with them in any way? If your friends highlights some way you can improve, avoid becoming defensive. Instead, be eager to make the needed adjustment. Study God's word. The best way for us to know if we are treating sisters well is to examine our attitude and actions in the light of God's word. As we study the Bible, we learn about men who treated women well and men who did not. We can then compare their actions with our own. Additionally, comparing Bible verses can prevent us from unknowingly taking scriptures out of context to support a mistaken view we have of women. For example, according to 1 Peter 3.7, a wife is to be assigned honor as to a weaker vessel. Does this mean that she is inferior, less intelligent or capable than a man? By no means. Compare Peter's word with that Galatians 3.26-29 indicates, namely that Jehovah has chosen women as well as men to be co-rulers with Jesus in heaven. When we study God's word and ask 
ask a good friend for his or her com- comment about how we treat women, we can learn to show the proper respect for our sisters. And let's read Galatians 3:26-29. You are all in fact sons of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in union with Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Moreover, if you are belong if you belong to Christ, you are really Abraham's offspring, as with reference to a promise. How do elders show respect for sisters? Brothers in the congregation can also learn to treat sisters respectfully by following the example of loving elders. How do elders take the lead in showing respect for sisters? Consider some specific ways. They comment sisters. They commend sisters. The Apostle Paul set a good example for elders to imitate. He publicly commanded several sisters in the letter he wrote to the congregation in Rome. Can you imagine the joy those sisters must have felt when Paul's letter was read to their congregation? Similarly, elders generally commend sisters for their fine qualities and for the work they do for Jehovah. This makes sisters aware of how deeply they are respected and appreciated. The encouraging words of an elder may be exactly what these sisters need as they keep serving Jehovah faithfully. When commending sisters, elders make their comments genuine and specific. Why? A sister named Jessica says, It is nice when brothers say to a sister, Good job. But we especially appreciate it when brothers comment us for something specific, such as teaching our children to sit quietly at the meetings or going out of our way to pick up a Bible student to bring her to the meetings. When elders comment sisters on something specific, they make sisters feel needed and valued in the congregation. They listen to sisters. Humble elders recognize that they do not have the monopoly on good ideas. Such elders invite sisters to share their suggestions, and they listen carefully when sisters speak. In doing so, elders encourage sisters and benefits themselves. How? An elder named Gerardo, who served at battle, says, I have found that asking sisters for their input helps me to do my work more effectively. Often they have done the job longer than most brothers. In the congregation, many sisters serve as pioneers, so they know a lot about the people who live in the local area. An elder named Brian says, Our sisters have much to offer the organization, so benefit from their experience. Wise elders are not quick to dismiss the suggestions of sisters. Why? A sister's opinion and expressions can help a brother to see the entire scope of a matter, and it can help him to develop empathy, says an elder named Edward. Even if the elder cannot implement a sister's suggestion, he can still thank her for her (coughs) observation (coughs) and acknowledge her insight. They train sisters. Discerning elders look for opportunities to train sisters. 
For example, they can teach sisters how to conduct meetings for field service in the event that a baptized brother is, is not available. They can train them to operate tools or machinery so that they can assist with theoretical maintenance and construction projects. At Battle, overseers have trained sisters to care for a variety of assignments, including maintenance, purchasing, accounting, computer programming, and so forth. When elders train sisters, they show that they view sisters as capable and trustworthy. Many sisters use the training that they receive from elders to benefit others. For example, some sisters use their construction training to help others rebuild their home after a natural disaster. Other sisters use the skills they were taught in public witnessing to help train more sisters in these aspects of the ministry. How do sisters feel about the elders who trained them? A sister named Jennifer says, When I worked on one Kingdom Hall construction project, an overseer took the time to train me. He noticed the work I did, and he commented me, commended me for it. I loved working with him because I felt valued and trusted. Benefits of treating sisters like family We love our faithful sisters as Jehovah does, so we treat them like family. We are honored and proud to serve alongside them. And we are so happy when they sense our love and support. A sister named Vanessa says, I am so thankful to Jehovah for being part of his organization, which is filled with brothers who have refreshed my spirit. A sister in Taiwan says, I am very thankful that Jehovah and his organization place such high value on women and on our feelings. This strengthens my faith and make me appreciate even more the privilege I have of being a part of Jehovah's organization. How proud Jehovah must be when we, when he sees faithful Christian men endeavor to view and treat women as he does. The world's view of women can be very demeaning, says an elder in Scotland named Benjamin. So when women walk into a kingdom hall, we want them to feel the difference May we all do our best to imitate Jehovah by treating our dear sisters with the love and respect that they deserve. So, on to the next article called Breaking the Cycle of Hatred. We can conquer hatred. Have you been the victim of hatred? If not, You have likely observed it in one form or another. The news is filled with reports of racism, homophobia and exonophobia, expressions of hatred based on race, sexuality or nationality. As a result, many governments are passing laws against various hate crimes. Hatred easily leads to more hatred. Victims of hatred often retaliate with revenge and fuel of an ongoing cycle of hatred. Perhaps you have experienced prejudges, stereotyping, ridicule, insult, and, tra- and threat. Sorry, and uh, threat, and threat, and threat. Yet hatred often goes further. It frequently erupts into cruel aggression, bullying, vandalism, assault, rape, murder, or even genocide. Why is there such a vicious cycle of hatred in the world? To know the reason, we need to understand what hatred is, why people start to hate, 
and how it spreads. What is hatred? Hatred is an extremely strong dislike for or intense hostility towards another person or group of people. It is an ongoing feeling of ill will. Why people start to hate? People begin to hate for many reasons. Hatred is often directed towards others, not necessarily because of what they do, but because of who they are. Those hated may be perceived as evil, intent or doing intent on doing harm or unable to change for the better. They may be viewed as inferior, as a threat, uh, as a treat, uh, threat, or as the cause of problems. Those who feel hatred towards others may have suffered violence, injustice, or some other event that causes hostility feelings towards to take root. How it spreads. A person can hate others without even having had direct contact with them. For example, an individual may unconsciously adopt the based view of those whom he respect and feel close to. Thus, hatred can easily spread and become the shared view of an entire group. When we understand the pervasive nature of hatred, we can see why it has a hold on so many people. However, to break the cycle of hatred that grips our world, we must get to the very root of hatred. Those roots are exposed in the Bible. The Bible reveals the roots of hatred. Melia's hatred did not originate with humans. It started with an angel in heaven who came to be called Satan the devil, rebelled against God. The devil was a murderer when he began his rebellion. As a liar and a father of lie, he has continued to instigate hatred and aggression. The Bible describes him as milius, angry and aggressive. <clears throat> Imperfect humans are inherently prone to hate. The first man, Adam, followed Satan's sinful course. As a result, all humans have inherited sin and imperfection. Adam's first son, Cain, hatefully murdered his own brother, Abel. True, many humans display love and compassion, but because of inherent sin, multitudes are prone to show selfishness, envy and pride, qualities that fuel hate. Hatred thrives in intolerance. The world we live in feeds hatred by promoting mercilessly and harmful attitudes and behaviors. Intolerance prejudges Insulting speech, bullying, and vandalism thrives because the whole world is lying at the power of the wicked one, Satan the devil. However, the Bible does more than merely expose the root of hatred. It also points to the solution. How to break the cycle of hatred. God's word, the Bible, has the power to help people change for the better. It teaches Its teachings have enabled countless people to overcome the hatred they once felt towards others. Let us consider four Bible teachings that have helped many people to break the cycle of hatred. Number one, be impartial. Bible teachings, God is not partial, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right, does what is right is acceptable to him. What it means Jehovah God does not judge us by our nationality, race, skin color, or culture. Rather, he focuses on what really counts. 
what we are on the inside. Indeed, mere man sees what appears to the eyes, but Jehovah sees into the heart. What you can do. Although we cannot read hearts, we can try to imitate God and view others impartially. Strive to see people as individuals rather than as groups. If you sense that you have negative feelings towards others, perhaps those of another race or nationality, pray to God and ask Him to help you root out such feelings. If you sincerely ask Jehovah to give you the strength to be impartial, you can be sure that He will listen to your prayer and help you. Real Life Experience Titus overcame a cycle of hatred. Titus was a member of a violent gang that was outraged by oppressive segregation laws. He says, We would go to places in towns where black men were not welcome, such as hotels and bars, just to provoke fights. Titus acknowledges that he was driven by hate, and he added, If I got into an argument with anyone, man or woman, I would always be the one to strike the first blow. Titus began to change when he started to study the Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses. When he read the Bible, it was a powerful effect. It has a powerful effect on him. On him. He was especially moved by the promise of a future world where death will be no more. Neither will, neither will mourning, nor outcry, nor pain be any more. At this, Titus struggled to let go of the hatred in his heart. It was very difficult to change my ways of thinking and acting, he says. But he was helped by what he learned from Acts 10, 34-35, which describes God as being impartial. What was the result? Titus explained, I became confident that Jehovah's Witnesses practiced the true religion when I saw the love evident among them no matter what their race or color. Even before I was baptized as a witness, a white member of the congregation invited me to his house to share a meal. It was like a dream. I'd never before sat down peacefully with a white person, let alone shared a meal in his home. Now I was part of a genuine international brotherhood. Number two, do not seek revenge. Bible teachings Return evil for evil to no one. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be peaceable with all men. Do not avenge yourself, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says Jehovah. What it means. Although it is natural to feel angry when we have been wronged, God does not approve of our taking revenge. Rather, he urges us to wait on him because he will soon right all wrongs. What you can do. When imperfect humans take revenge, it perpetuates the cycle of hatred. Therefore, if someone has offended or harmed you, do not retaliate. Try to respond peacefully and with restraint. In some cases, it may be less painful to let the matter go. Of course, if there is some clear advantages, you may choose to address the problem. For example, in case, cases where you are the victim of a crime, you may choose to report the crime to the police or other authorities. What if there does not seem to be a peaceful way to solve the problem?
Or what if you have already done all you can do to solve it in a peaceful way? Do not take revenge. That will likely make the situation worse. Rather, break the cycle of hatred. You can learn to trust in God's way of resolving the problem. Rely on Him, and He will act in your behalf. Adrian overcame feelings of revenge. As an adolescent, Adrian became a hate-filled street fighter out for revenge. He relates, I was often involved in gunfights, and several times I ended up covered with blood and was left for dead on the street. Adrian began to study the Bible when he was 16. He adds, As I progressed in my Bible study, I saw the need to make changes in my personality. He needed to let go of hatred and stop resorting to violence. He especially appreciated what he learned from Romans 12:17-19 about not taking revenge. He says, I came to accept that Jehovah will take care of injustice in his own way and time. Little by little, I overcame my violent lifestyle. One evening, Adrian was attacked by a former rival gang. The leader shouted, defend yourself. Adrian admits, I felt a very strong urge to retaliate. But instead of retaliating, he said a brief prayer to Jehovah and left the scene. Adrian continued, the next day I encouraged the gang leaders, I encouraged encountered the gang leader by himself. Ventful anger welled up in me, but again I silently begged Jehovah to help me control myself. To my surprise, the youth came right up to me and said, Forgive me for what happened last night. The truth is, I would like to become like you. I want to study the Bible. How glad I was that I had been able to control my anger. Thanks to that, we began to study the Bible together. Number three, get hatred out of your mind. Bible teachings, be transformed by making your mind over, so that you may prove to yourself the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What it means, the way we think matters to God. While we should avoid saying or doing anything hateful, we need to go further. The cycle of hatred begins in the mind and heart. Therefore, we must root out any hint of hatred from our thoughts and feelings. Only then can we truly be transformed and break the cycle of hatred. What you can do. Take an honest look at how you feel and think about others, especially those of another race or nationality. Ask yourself, how do I view them? Is my viewpoint based on what I personally know about them, or is it based on prejudices? Avoid social media, movies or entertainment that features hatred and violence. It is not always easy to evaluate our own thoughts and feelings objectively, but God's Word can help us to discern thoughts and intentions of the heart. So keep examining the Bible, compare its teachings with your thinking, and do your best to bring your thinking in line with what the Bible teaches. God's Word can help us overcome hatred that is strongly entrenched in our mind and heart. Real life experience, Stephen, changed his way of thinking. Stephen and members of his family had expressed hatred from white, from white people. As a result, he was in. 
influenced by a political group that took a military approach to civil rights issues. In time, he participated in hate crimes himself. Stephen says, On an occasion, my friends and I saw films featuring the past sufferings of African slaves in the United States. Incensed by those injustices, we assaulted white youth right there in the movie theater. Then we went to right neighborhoods looking for more people to beat up. Stephen's viewpoint changed drastically when he started studying the Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses. He recalls, Having been exposed to so much racial prejudices, I saw things among the witnesses that astonished me. For example, when a white witness had to travel abroad, he left his children in the care of a black family. Also, a white family took into their home a black youth who needed a place to live. Stephen became confident that Jehovah's Witnesses are the loving brotherhood that Jesus foretold would exist among true Christians. What enabled Stephen to abandon his hateful actions? The scriptures of Romans 12 too helped him. He says, I began to realize that I needed to change my thinking. I had to make my mind over so that I not only acted peacefully, but also saw this as the best way of life. Stephen has now enjoyed a life free of hateful feelings for over 40 years. Number four, conquer hatred with God's help. The fruitages of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, mildness, self-control. What it means. Breaking the cycle of hatred is possible with God's help. His Holy Spirit can produce in us qualities that we might never possess on our own. So rather than trying to overcome hatred in our own strength, we do well to rely on the help that God provide. That God provide. If we do, we can have the same experience as the Apostle Paul who wrote, For all things I have the strength through one, the one who gives me power. Indeed, we will be able to say, My help comes from Jehovah. What you can do? Pray to Jehovah, sincerely asking Him for His Holy Spirit. Ask Him to help you display godly qualities in your life. Study what the Bible says about qualities that counteract hatred, such as love, peace, patience, and self-control. Look for ways to cultivate those qualities in your own life and associate with those who likewise try to develop such qualities. Such people can help motivate you to love and find work. (laughs) Real-life experience Waldo conquered violent violent hatred. Waldo has a rough upbringing that filled him with hatred. He relates, I was regularly involved in street fighting with drug dealers. On one occasion, a rival gang hired an infamous hitman to kill me, but I managed to escape with only a stab wound. Waldo was not happy when his wife began to study the Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses. He says, I hated the Witnesses, and many times I schemed obsessionally at them, screamed obscenities at them, but they always responded peacefully. Eventually, Waldo too started to study the Bible, he says. It was not easy to apply what I was learning. I was confident that I would never be able to control my violent temper. But something he learned from the Bible made a big difference. Waldo explains, One day my study conductor 
Alexandro asked me to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Alexandro explained that my developing those qualities did not depend on my own strength, but rather on God's Holy Spirit. That truth completely changed my viewpoint. By relying on God's help, Waldo has successfully broken the cycle of hatred in his life. He says, My relatives and former friends cannot believe how much I have changed. He adds, Jehovah has transformed me from a violent man to a peaceful one. When hatred will be gone forever. Even if we root out hatred from our own heart, we cannot control the actions and attitudes of others. Innocent people continue to be victims of hatred. So what is the permanent solution to the problem of hatred? Only Jehovah God can fully and permanently break the cycle of hatred we see today. That is exactly what the Bible promises He will do. God will eliminate the root causes of hatred. Number one, Satan the devil. Satan the rebellious angels is ultimately behind the hatred we see today. God will destroy Satan and all those under his hateful influence. Number two, Satan's hate-filled world. God, God will eradicate all evil elements of this world, including corrupt politicians and religious leaders who stir up hatred. God will also eliminate the greedy commercial system along with its corruption and exploitation. Number three, human imperfection. The Bible explains that all humans have inherited imperfection, the tendency to think, feel, and do what is wrong. Harboring and expressing hatred for others is one of those sinful tendencies. God will help humans to conquer all such imperfect inclinations so that all traces of hatred will be removed forever. The Bible promises a world without hatred. Number one, No one will experience injustice. The world will be ruled by God's kingdom, a just and lasting government based in heaven. Prejudges and intolerance will not exist. God will correct all the injustices that people now face. Number two, everyone will experience peace. No one will suffer as a result of violence or war. The earth will be a safe place occupied only by peace-loving people. Number three, Everyone will live forever in ideal conditions. All earth inhabitants will show genuine love of neighbor. No one will be distressed, not even by unpleasant thoughts or emotions. At that time, or a, at that time, a hate-free human race will find exquisite delight in the abundance of peace. Do you long to live in a world like that? Even now, many people are learning to let go of hatred by applying Bible principles. That is true of the millions of Jehovah's Witnesses around the world. Although they come from many different cultures and backgrounds, they enjoy a family-like bond of love and unity. Jehovah's Witnesses would be happy to share what they have learned about how to deal with injustice and discrimination. What you learn can enable you to replace progressively any trace of progressively any trace of hatred with love you can find out how to treat all people kindly even those who seem ungrateful or who show hatred 
As a result, you will be happier now, and your relationship with others will only get better. About all, you will learn what you can do to live under God's kingdom when hatred will be gone forever. Victims of hatred everywhere. The human family is afflicted by a pandemic of hatred. News and social media increasingly speak of hate speech, hate mail, cyber hate and (coughs) hate crimes. Consider, too, the countless acts of prejudges, stereotyping, ridicule, insult, threat and vandalism. Victims of dehumanization and hatred are everywhere. This magazine shows how the cycle of hatred can be broken. This is no mere fantasy. It is a real lasting transformation that is already taking place worldwide. Så. Og så går vi i gang med den sidste artikel. Det handler om teknologi. Hvordan påvirker teknologi dine venskaber? SMS'er, mails, videoopkald og sociale medier gør det muligt for to personer at kommunikere, selv hvis de bor på hver sit kontinent. De har forstået at udnytte de muligheder, teknologien giver dem på en god måde. Men hvis man primært holder kontakt med sine venner på de her måder, kunne man hurtigt komme til at vise mindre empati for sine venner, føle sig mere ensom og tom indeni, fokusere mere på sig selv end på andre. Værd at vide. Empati. For at kunne vise empati, må man sætte farten ned og koncentrere sig om et andet menneske. Noget, der kan være svært, hvis man hele tiden skal svare på sms'er eller tjekke sociale medier. Hvis det vælter ind med sms'er, kan det at svare dine venner ende med bare at blive endnu et punkt to do på listen, der skal overstås. Det hele kan komme til at handle om at sende et hurtigt svar, i stedet for virkelig at være der for din ven. Nu at tænke over, hvordan kan du vise medfølelse, når du kommunikerer med dine venner online? Indre tomhed. En undersøgelse viser, at mange bliver i dårlig humør efter at have brugt tid på sociale medier. Folken ved undersøgelsen konkluderer, at når man ser på andres billeder og opdateringer, kan man komme til at føle, at man bare har spildt sin tid. Når man ser de billeder med andre poster, kan det få en til at tænke, at ens eget liv ikke er særlig interessant. Det kan se ud, som om alle andre har det sjovt, mens man selv bare går i stå. Noget at tænke over. Hvordan kan du undgå hele tiden at sammenligne dig selv med andre på sociale medier? Selvoptagenhed. En lærer har bemærket, at nogle af hendes elever er mest interesseret i ensidige venskaber. De er fokuseret på, hvad de selv kan få ud af det, og på, hvad andre kan gøre for dem. Så en person kan begynde at betragte sine venner nærmest som apps, som man kan bruge, når det passer en. Noget at tænke over. Viser det, du påstår, at du måske har en tendens til at være selvoptaget. Hvad du kan gøre. Tænk over, hvordan du bruger dine enheder. Når du bruger dine enheder klogt, kan det hjælpe dig til at holde kontakt med dine venner og få et endnu stærkere venskab med dem. And of course, uh, you have to excuse me, I haven't... Uh... <laughs> This is, of course, the Danish version. I'm going to try to to take it on the English version instead. Here, how does technology affect your friendship? 
thanks to texting, emails, video conferencing and social media, two people can communicate easily, even when they live continents apart. From them, technology is a useful servant. However, some people who primarily use technology to maintain friendships tend to show less empathy for their friends, feel more lonely and empty, empty, focus more on self than on others. What you should know. Empathy. Empathy requires that we slow down and patiently consider others another person. Something that may seem difficult to achieve with an overload of social media posts and rapid fire texting. In time, if technology is controlling you, responding to your friends' messages can seem like another chore on your to-do list. Your goal becomes to clear out your inbox rather than to help a friend in need. To think about how you can maintain fellow feelings when you use technology to communicate with your friends. Emptiness. One study found that many people feel worse after browsing through a popular social media platform. The researchers concluded that looking at the pictures and updates of others can leave a person with a feeling of not having done anything meaningful. Furthermore, looking at the exciting photos others have posted can lead to negative comparisons. After all, it may seem as if everyone else we are having a good time while your own life is in a rut. To think about, when using social media, how can you avoid negatively comparing yourself with others? Self-control. One teacher notes that some of her students seem inclined towards one-sided friendships in which their great concern is, who has my back? Such friendships focuses merely on what one gets out of the relationship. A person could start to view his friends as apps that can be used and shut off as needed. To think about, does What you post online show that you may have the tendency to be competitive or to focus too much on yourself. What you can do. When technology is your ser servant rather than your master, it will help you keep in touch with your friends and even draw closer to them. Bible principle. Love does not look for its own interest. Note the suggestions you would like to implement, or write down your own ideas. Have more in-person conversations rather than solely relying on texting or email. Put away or silence the phone when, considering, when conversing with others. Cut back on the time spent scrolling through social media. Become a better listener. Contact a friend who is going through a hard time. Ask yourself, do I have genuine friendships with people I care about and who care about me? How often does a phone call, text or notification interrupt an in-person conversation I am having with a friend? Could the photos and comments that I post on social media give the impression that I am focusing on myself? How do I feel after a period of browsing through social media? What adjustments could I make to so that my use of technology does not prevent me from making true friends. Bible principle. 
Look out not only for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Friendship takes time and efforts, so realistically, you may only have a few. It's not about numbers, but about quality. True friends look out for your best interest, and you look out for theirs. Emily So, I hope this podcast was helpful for you. I know it was for me, and I hope that I can implement these Bible principles in my own personality, as well as, of course, I hope you implement them in your own personality. So, this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. I hope you love each other and are kind to one another. And, of course, I also hope that you're going to become one of Jehovah's Witnesses, but, yeah, I know my hopes are not maybe so high. But um, at least I I hope that you learned something as I did, and I hope that you and I can implement these principles in uh, our future study of the Bible. So this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. It's the 13th of 11, or November 2023. The time is 2026, and it is Monday. Bye.